This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to versustheuniverse.com. That's vstheuniverse.com. Are you listening in your car while you're driving somewhere? That's cool. Lower the windows. Tell everyone what you're listening to. Are you on the train, on the bus? Do the same thing. Tell everybody what podcast you're listening to. Hey everyone, Aaron from Versus the Universe here. I'm just recording a brief note on my phone for you before we begin the episode, so uh, please bear with me. (laughs) So this past weekend, I went to Level Eater's event here in Chicago, where I demoed my new game Curtain Call for about eight hours. It was super fun, got a ton of great feedback, everyone there was great, and I also got the opportunity to meet a ton of local developers and see what they're working on. I saw RPGs, I saw board games, video games, you name it. And uh, one of the devs I met, his name was Sham from Skeleton Hand. Super cool guy, very nice, very inviting. Uh, And he got to show me his game called Raid Boss. Now, I saw Raid Boss when I walked in and it looked like a finished game. It looked super cool. And I was almost like a little intimidated to go play it just because it looked like it was already a game that was in stores. But no, it's on Kickstarter right now. So Raid Boss is meant to evoke the type of feeling you get from raids like Destiny, WoW, and old school MMORPGs. The art style looks like old school EverQuest mashed up with Warcraft and like a pinch of Todd McFarlane comics sprinkled in. It still has 10 days left on Kickstarter and they're not at their goal. Why am I telling you this? Well, for one, it's a cooperative game and it's on Kickstarter and it's a local Chicago dev. Two, they're not at their goal. They need your help. Since this whole episode is about games as a service games and MMORPGs and games of that ilk, I thought it'd be a good idea just to toss the game your way and see if it would be of interest to you. Go to kickstarter.com and search for Raid Boss. If you could just give it a look, I'd really appreciate it. With that being said, on with the show. What is your favorite flavor of fruit snack? Oh, wait. I'll answer for you. Wait, what? I'll answer for you. What do you your, mean? You your asked favorite me a question. flavor of fruit snack is you don't care because you're a monster <laughs> and you wait. always just eat a handful of them at a time. Oh, wait a second. You wandered me into a trap. You, Before we started this show, like for opening BS, we're going to talk about favorite fruit snacks. And I actually had an answer ready to go. And then you just robbed me. Well, your answer, was that going to be your answer? No. Well, then it was going to be a lie. <laughs> You're going to lie to the viewers. No. So Liz and I routinely take part in fruit snacks. The Welch's fruit snacks are very good. But Liz has this really weird procedure where she has to separate all the fruit snacks by color and by shape and line them up in a row. And she will only eat them one by one. Okay. It sounds more anal than it is when you say it that way. Because the color and the shape are the color and the shape the album by the Foo Fighters one of my favorite albums of all time we're not talking about that the uh, color and the shape are coordinated like the orange slices are orange that makes sense so it's not like there's a million different categories I just like to have them separated by color because the color and the flavor are the yeah, same but I'll never understand you can you eat one fruit snack at a time I gotta go for at least a double or oh baby a triple or a handful yeah that's what I'm saying I've been known to put a whole bag I a whole know. bag in one gulp it's Really, it makes me really upset, actually. (laughs) Liz does actually get very quiet and solemn whenever I do this. I feel like you're not respecting the fruit snacks in the way that they should be respected. I feel like the fruit snacks need to respect my appetite. I've seen you do the the all-in-one gulp thing with Gushers. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which is just monstrous yeah um so one time in college i was raising money for a charity because senior year of college all of the conservatory 
people would get together and they would auction themselves off. And one of the things in my in my like auction item was I would essentially go around and be like your squire. I'd be your hype man. And I did a variety of really dumb things. But one of the things that they bought out of this package was I had to put like an obscene amount of uh, warheads in my mouth at once. Okay, that's different. That's like a fear factor thing. A little bit, but I, I'm just really good at putting a multitude of small edible objects in my mouth at with once. This date, I'm just saying, I can put a lot of small edible objects in my mouth at the same time. So gummy bears, done. Gushers, absolutely. How many fruit roll-ups have you eaten at one time? No, wait. Actually, I've seen you eat an entire fruit by the foot. I think I've had all at thirty once. feet by the foot, thirty feet by the feet in my mouth at the same time. 30 yeah. fruit by the feet? Yeah, because there's there's three feet in every you fruit by the foot. You put 10 whole fruit by the foots in your mouth at once? Yeah, it's a bad idea. Mm, but you like thinking about it now? I could go for Here's it. Here's something interesting that I'm learning about marriage. I could marriage. do it. I want to do it right now. What's funny about marriage is like... Where is fruit by the you foot? You think I found my person... Do you have any gushers? And... I know that I want to be with them forever. And so you just oh. are like, nothing else really matters. They're like, on Amazon Prime. They have some little foibles about them, mm-hmm. but you can kind of see past it because you love the person and you're going to marry them. So you're gone this weekend and I'm going to do and this. And then every day, it's like you learn a little new thing. Free shipping. And you like laugh and you're like, wow, that's funny. I wish I knew that before we got married. I'm realizing that, you, you know, we were like in our, you know, in our early 30s when we got married. And by the mm-hmm. end of my life, I'm going to have so many little things where I was like, wow, haha, I wish I knew that before we got married. So that's it's a great endorsement. Like way more things than I knew uh-huh. about you before we did get married. Here's the thing. I'll never think that about you because I love you. And your dismissal of my happiness is really <laughs> hurtful right now. Um, I don't think it's hurtful. I think what I need is for you to just not ever put 10 fruit by the feet in your mouth at once ever again. I can't make any promises because this is who I am. It would take me like four weeks to eat that many fruit by the feet. Oh my God, no. Give me me three minutes. Mm. College Aaron had some fun. Wait, College Aaron had some fruit by the feet. No, wow. I'm just going to add that to the list. (laughs) Things I wish I knew before I got married. Hey, so marriage is kind of like a service, right? Kind of like a a game is a service. Oh, is this a transition? I'm trying real hard. Oh, no. Keep going. It's good. Uh, mm, No. So anyway, we've been playing a lot of a very specific type of video game recently, and it's a different type of game than like your Mario Brothers or a Zelda game. Games as a service. Oh, cool. We should do an episode on that. You want to do it? How about now? All right, cool. Let's clink because we didn't clink. We got to clink. Here we go. Well, we just got done with the BS. Now it's clink time. No, I'm talking about last episode. We didn't clink. Oh, we didn't. It's the return of the clink. This is the return of the clink. Yeah, this is return of the clink. Here we go. We're having a whiskey. Let's do it. Welcome to the Cooperatives Podcast with the real-life human couple Liz and Aaron. Hey. Where we will discuss the joys and sorrows of cooperative gaming with the significant other. Today, we're talking gas. We're t- oh, let me tell you, I can tell you a lot about gas, but you're probably thinking, gas, what is that? We're talking about games as a service, an elongated or A sound. Gas. 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 I got gas. Oh, man, it's going to be a real, this is no, going to be a lowbrow episode, isn't it? I want you to keep saying that. <laughs> 
So intrepid listeners of the show may recognize that Liz and I tend to play a certain type of game, specifically with cooperative. Cooperative type games, but I got it. in the past year or so, we've really migrated towards uh, a specific type of game called Games as a Service. What and are Games as a Service? Games as a Service are basically an ongoing live game where uh, you are continually deriving content from the same source instead of putting out sequels. So wow. some- this whole episode is going to be about marriage. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. But some examples of this are uh, Destiny, Anthem, The World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV, Rainbow Six Siege, Monster Hunter. We, we've we've made it kind of a habit of talking about those games for a while, and we were going to dedicate a whole episode to Anthem, but then The Division came out, and The Vision is very similar. And then I got back into Destiny, and Destiny has a very similar type of plan. So mm-hmm. we thought it would be a good idea to talk about these types of games and just what's different about them than like a regular video game because the the commitment and the uh, landscape is wildly different than what you would find in most video games. So, and we're not really talking about only, well, we're not talking about all types of games as a service. So um, when we first talked about doing this episode, in my mind, it was all sort of MMO stuff, like massively multiplayer online That is mainly where we're focused And that's basically what we're talking about. But it's important to note that Games as a Service also covers a lot of mobile games. Mm -hmm. Um, Any game where you can think of uh, that has like um, gateways that you have to buy your way through or like that you can buy unlimited lives or whatever. A lot of free-to-play games that have uh, a lot of microtransactions in them. So that's kind of the services aspect to it. So yeah, so we could be talking about Candy Crush, but we're not because it's not cooperative. (laughs) I do think that you should real quick at the top mention the gas that you are obsessed with on your phone that you play all the time. Okay, yeah. So I do play a games as a service game on my phone. It's called Marvel Strike Force. And just to give you kind of an idea of how that game works is... uh, Every day there's resets at uh, midnight, noon, and six where they give you power. This power allows you to fight in battles online against the computer and other uh, players that are that are also playing the game. One of the ways that this game keeps you coming back for more is gating off activities behind a timer. So I can't do certain activities unless I wait a few hours or... I will pay a few dollars to get energy and you can spend energy to do more events. That's where the microtransactions come in. This is very similar to stuff like Division, Destiny, Anthem, where there may be activities you can do once per day, once per week, or once per month. Uh, Every single one of these games tends to create activities that are gated by a time lock. And that's what makes that carrot on the stick continually moving and driving people to play every single day. They don't want you to play one weekend and be done. They want you to come back every day. Which is interesting because I think, and we'll probably get into this more, I think that's more of a driving force for you Mm -hmm. than it is for me, which is why it's taken me a little longer to get into some of the MMOs that we are talking about. Um, I do play Alpha Bear on (laughs) my phone, which is a games as a service game. 
where you spell words and you earn it's adorable cute little bears wearing costumes you just got a bear with a little star trek thing on him. i did captain bear but like that that carrot on the stick you're wanting to get more bears for your bear army is the thing that continually brings you back it's not a bear army it's more like a party wait is it a, is it a bear it. me a, a bar me it's a jeremy bear me jeremy bear me time's so, relative what we are going to be talking about more is actual console games that are massively multiplayer. So that's a different thing. Like Alpha Bear that I play is only a one person game. I think mm. there is a way to play against other people, but like Marvel Strike play, Strike Force that you play, you actually have like a clan or something. We have a we have a big old 30 person clan. Right. Oh boy, it's a thing. And but that's a little more similar to what happens in games like Destiny and Anthem and um did we talk about Monster Hunter World, mm-hmm. which we mm-hmm. played for a little bit? So, yeah, what should we start with? Well, so why don't we talk about the two games we've been playing more recently, Anthem and The Division? Yes. So, Anthem. Liz, you've been so hyped for this game for so long. What is Anthem? Anthem is a Mess? Bioware. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> Go for it. I said, you said Anthem is, uh, and I said mess. Oh, that is also true. Yeah. Um, but divorce from that. What well, is Anthem? And, and you can't divorce it entirely from what the game is. But so Bioware, the same company that made the Dragon Age and Mass Effect games, apparently Knights of the Old Republic is oh, a thing that people like. You would love that game. Um, I don't think you're overestimating my love of Star Wars, but. At any rate, um, they make a lot of really interesting, engaging fantasy and science fiction role-playing games that have like really complex stories. And what they're most known for is the interactions with non-player characters in the game. Mm -hmm. And it's something that fans of the studio really love. It makes the stories so much richer and more complex and... That was something I was really excited about for Anthem. So I've watched you play Destiny for years, and I've dabbled. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple things that I am less drawn to about Destiny. First person is really just not my favorite perspective when I'm playing a game. And I want more story. Like, I, I know you find tons of story in Destiny. But I have to go looking for it, too. Right. And for me, I, I want there to be sort of a narrative flow to the game that was a little more present in Destiny 2. And that was kind of the appeal for you with Anthem, having that yeah. narrative thread be more more present exactly. than other uh, games as a service games. Anthem has a pretty strong narrative thread. Not as strong as I would like it to be. Yeah. Um, I think strong is is a more aggressive word. I would say it has a narrative thread. Well, I feel like it's a strong narrative thread. I think there's a lot of stuff I could tell you about the story from Anthem that I couldn't tell you after the same amount of time playing Destiny. Hard agree. And, you know, it's third person, which I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. The defining factor for Anthem is that you're basically all, all of the character classes are in these mech suits, basically Iron Man. So you can fly and you can do all kinds of crazy stuff, but you're not like superhuman, it seems. It seems like you're all basically human, the characters. And the suits all have different attributes. So I get to be a character that like hovers above the battlefield 
and basically uses magic and it's like everything that i want in a game like this and i tend to play a character called the interceptor which is essentially the rogue who wields dual daggers and runs around the field debuffing people and you can work in unison with these other character classes to combo and kill people and it's great fun but the thing i want to know from you is what is the activity that keeps you playing after the story's done because the story has a definitive end but there's still incentive to play, right? Right. So that's what's interesting. Um, when we were talking about this sort of carrot on a stick aspect, when I ha- I'm going to always compare this to Destiny, which I've observed you playing for so long, you had like the times for when things in, you know, events reset in the game memorized and you would have plans for going <sighs> and you basically like cycle through these same things over and over again. That is less of a draw for me with Anthem. I think there are you still can get some new like story tidbits out of the game until you've done every single side quest, which I haven't done every single side thing. But also just the way it feels when you're playing is fun. Like the the feeling of flying through this world is really fun. I haven't gotten all of the loot and that's a big driver in these types of games. That to me for is everyone. the biggest carrot because right. In a lot of these games, you have like a power level or a gear score or some sort of number that shows you how strong you are um, against all the other things that can happen in this world. And it's basically made up in most games of like that score from all of like the average of that score from all of the various armor and whatnot that you're wearing. And so your goal is to keep you know, killing bad guys so that you get more loot and you get stronger armor and eventually your average moves up to the maximum. And one of the things that I think Anthem doesn't do as well, but is kind of a staple of these games as a service type games is the higher your level, you get new titles. So like in Destiny, if you do a certain amount of activities, you're called a chronicler. And in Division, uh, you are you are given new tier status as your gear score uh, inflates. We can take essentially everything that you just said about Anthem and really apply that to Division. There's a semi, there's a less strong narrative through line in Division, but you are, you are going through and doing these main missions, side missions, gaining experience and earning gear that increases your, your, uh, power level. And once you hit like a hundred as a power level, all these new activities open up, you complete those, your power level might be 200. You keep doing this until you reach max level, which for both games, I think is 500. It's funny that both have that same kind Mm -hmm. of ceiling, but the driving force is wanting to get better the way that your character looks, the way your character performs. It's almost like you're peacocking a bit with the things that you're wearing and like the weapons that you have. Oh, totally. And like the, the physical form that your character takes. So Mm -hmm. in Anthem, you can, you know, everybody has the same suits that have essentially the same form factor. Um, there's four options and you can paint them all different colors and you can get like slight variations of the armor. And that's, that's how you show people that you've done more too, because certain paint and certain emblems and stickers you can put on your person are only earned by doing these high level activities. Right. So one of the things that is a distinguishing factor in addition to just like the narrative elements for games like this is just what the story is separate from the actual like act of going through the narrative. So in Anthem, you are these a, 
apparently humanoid people yeah. who, I mean, basically you look like humans, yeah. but it's not Earth it's not that Earth. you're on. <laughs> um, I forget the name of the planet, but you're on a planet. I was going to say Pandora, but it's definitely not no. Pandora. That's Avatar. Um, it is something kind of interesting like that, but uh, some unknown event has happened. The planet has these like creators that used to use kind of huge machines to basically build and control the planet. Something happened. They're gone. The machines are still there. And the anthem is the anthem of creation. It's a really great idea. I love the bedrock of this game. What's interesting is I agree that it's a great idea, but it's also like, what does that even mean? What I just said, like, it's a very sort of amorphous concept and it's hard to go from that to like okay so what is my character's like motivation what's really going on whereas I think the division almost has the opposite problem the division has a very concrete story also it's the division two which helps a little so there's like a whole story from the first game which Mm -hmm. I never played um that kind of backs it up but basically there was some kind of I think in the first game there was like a bioweapon that took out It's basically, most people. it is a Tom Clancy game. So think about any sort of Tom Clancy political thriller storyline. It wipes out a bunch of people in America and everyone is kind of living in like these moving ramshackle Hoovervilles in America now. Like that's right. kind of where you start and you are a part of the division, which is this like a secret service that's out there to help the people and bring back like cities to the inhabitants, but there's a bunch of terrorists that are trying to take it back from the people. And it, right. it, it's, it's always an excuse for you to do missions over and over again. Well, and it's, it's an excuse in the division for you to sort of live out this like Republican fantasy is basically the way that I think of it in my I, head, I which is probably not accurate length too. Um, to all Republicans. So I apologize if anyone is offended, but it, it does have this very like, you know, there's insurgents from other countries that have come here to like take over our land. In Division Two, it, it's not people from other countries. It's always Americans. I think they're Americans. getting assistance from outside countries. Was what I thought. Hmm. That like, because I remember thinking it was a strong parallel with like some of the stuff that has been happening in the Middle East. I will say they're pulling some bullshit because Ubisoft, who we love Ubisoft, we play a lot of their games. With Division, they said they're not being political. But wow. one of, it literally takes place in a dead version of Washington, yeah, D.C. Like your your main outpost is the White House. And a week before the game came out, they released a fun piece of promo material that happens in the game where Mexico says they're building a wall to keep Americans from coming into Mexico. And I'm like, yeah. this isn't cute. Don't do this. Yeah, that's bad. <clears throat> so, yeah, I have a lot of mixed feelings about The Division. But what's kind of weird is I have mixed feelings about many aspects of the division but this sort of technical part of the game works wonderfully whereas anthem i like a lot of things about it but the technical part has been really falling apart and i'm if you pay attention to video games at all you've definitely heard people talk about this it was not a great launch no it has continued to have a lot of problems like i am a person who would have played it way more than i even have except for there's so only so many times that you can kind of try to load in and play and then be frustrated because the game just breaks or Though, your character just like disappears off the screen or something like that. I will say we have put dozens of hours in the both games, though. 
Yes, I've played more Anthem than I had The Division, but you've played a lot of The Division as well. I got sick sometime in March, and I had like a week where I was home, and I played through The Division and just adored it. One thing that I wanted to ask you specifically is, games as a service games, specifically, I wouldn't say they demand your time, but they ask a lot of your time in order to be good at them. They do. Playing a game like Anthem, that's that's a setting that... I, I think it's it's safe for me to say you and I feel comfortable in because we love sci-fi, we love fantasy. How much do you think the setting matters? Because The Division initially turned both of us off, but the gameplay is so good, I kind of don't mind the setting being a little, uh, you know, not great for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that the setting does matter and always your mileage will vary, right? Like if you're, some people, it won't bother them. Um, it depends kind of like what draws you to a game. And that's where... What I the point I keep like almost getting to and then getting sidetracked is that when I've observed you play some of this stuff, I see a lot of like sort of min maxing, not in the like negative way, but you're really focused on like all of the technical ways to get that high armor score and, you know, learn everything there is to learn in the game and do all of the stuff. Whereas for me, what draws me in is the story and whether like the actual physical act of playing is fun. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm craving to play this game that is fun, or I really want to know what happens next in the story, I'll be drawn to it. But I'm less excited to be like, oh, there's like so many new things that I can get and try, which is interesting because I'm generally like a completionist when I'm playing RPGs, um, which we can get into a bit more in a minute because I think that makes it interesting when you're playing with other people Mm -hmm. in a game like this. But yeah, so for me, I keep coming back to Anthem because it's fun and neat and because I think the setting is really cool. And I'm like, oh, I want to go like play in my space world again. I'm less like, oh, I want to go be like a vigilante person in Washington, Mm D.C. Like that that part is just less exciting to me. Like sometimes it might be kind of neat, but it's not something that I like spend a lot of time thinking about. I, I agree with you. And that's one of the reasons that I gravitated so strongly to Destiny. Destiny, if you, I'm very biased, but if you ask me, Destiny has the best first person control uh, I, I've ever seen in my life. Like the gunplay is second to none. And the story and the setting is so interesting that I'll log in just to see what's happening. With Anthem, the main gameplay, a ton of fun but there's not enough meat on the bone for me to go back every day. With Division, I really don't care about the setting that much. The setting's blah. The story, I don't care about, but the gameplay is so stellar. And it's so interesting to see these games kind of spin all of these plates. And for me, if you drop one plate, if the other one still spins really well, I'm still going to love your game. But in the case of Anthem, I just don't have enough to return to every game day. So that's what something I was just thinking about. Um, I mentioned Monster Hunter World earlier, which is another game that we played together for a little bit. Um, Great game. Yeah, which is really, it's a really interesting game. And basically it's, you're like on a planet or something. It's a sort of like Final Fantasy-esque situation. And you've got to like build up your arsenal and your armor by hunting like monster creatures that are like really insane and crazy. 
and you basically like kind of break them down and sell them at shops and whatnot, sell the parts, and then you like build more armor. That game has a setting that is really appealing to me. And what was this? I, I, Monster I'm, Hunter World? I, I'm so like intrigued. Well, the setting is very appealing, but it's so complicated the way that you build everything up. And this is something that Monster Hunter is sort of famous for. There's like a million different things you can do with crafting. It's like oh, pretty hard oh, like to kind of figure stuff. out what you're doing. And so that part makes it a little bit less fun. And and the the gameplay is like fine. It's a little less clunky. So it, what it has is a really interesting setting and not really much of a story and like somewhat interesting leveling and armor building, but basically the balance isn't 100% there and that's why it was kind of easy for me to fall off of it a little bit. Oh, also you have in Monster Hunter World a cat friend called Calicos. a Calico and you can like dress them up and you name them and they're beautiful and wonderful. So that is also very cool. But that wasn't enough to keep me super interested. Same thing with Destiny. Like the gunplay is fine, I guess. Guns are like not ever what attracts me to something like this. And that's that's one thing with um, Anthem, Anthem is that the class that I like to play which is basically a space wizard doesn't have to use a gun that much. Like I still end up using one, but so much of what I do is basically just using magic. Anthem really does tailor to the way that you love to play with, right. with that um, AOE type attack and the way that you, you can do everything from afar. Right. I was very taken with the way that it could cater to you specifically. AOE meaning area, area of, of effect. effect. Yeah. So that it is interesting what everybody prioritizes and what each game's balance is will dictate kind of like what you gravitate towards mm -hmm. and it's games that can balance enough things well enough to get enough people interested to stay around and keep playing that that's the challenge and i i recognize it's been interesting seeing some of the issues that anthem has had i mean there are some just really Awful shitty issues. bad technical issue and that sucks but separate from that they had some game balancing issues which a lot of these games do at the beginning just mm -hmm. because there's only so much you can test with a smaller sample size it's made me really appreciate how other games have to figure out, okay, how do we do scaling when people of different levels want to mm -hmm. play on teams together? Because we haven't really talked about this part at all yet, but the whole point of this games as a service is that you're not doing any of this by yourself. You're really. typically in teams of three or four and different different games would call them fire teams, clans, things like that. But in Anthem, I don't think I ever played solo. Like, yeah, and I played I a little played bit solo, but the game is definitely designed to not punish you for playing solo, but it, it really doesn't... It incentivizes you for playing with others. Yeah, it really incentivizes you to play with others. That's a good way to put it. Um, even And what's weird is that even if you go into like a quote free play, there are only going to be three other people in there with you, but the scaling still will require you to basically play with them if you're going to, you know, do well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, uh, that is an interesting part of all of this and really impacts your enjoyment. Like some games are a little bit easier 
to enjoy if you don't know the people you're playing with or if you have to play by yourself sometimes because everyone has different levels of access to other people to play with. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I am not ever interested in using voice chat with strangers on the internet, right? For good reason. Yeah, like most women are just not, not that you even like can't handle it, just that like why the fuck should you, you know, like I don't want to deal with it. Um, so it makes a difference. Like I love Anthem, but we have a handful of friends that were playing. And then as people sort of like drop back from it, it gets to be a little bit harder to do more stuff. Like you, when you played destiny, you had a huge group that you could get a group of people together to do raids and stuff like on a regular basis for a long time. I have a gigantic clan of people I know in real life and exclusively through the internet on PS4, but I almost had to vet every single one of them because playing playing with a clan is a big deal. You get incentives for playing as a clan, and in Division 2, I have a small clan because not as many people play, but I will only ever want to play with people I know or have vetted because if you're going to be spending a lot of time going through some really difficult and daunting missions in these games, you want to play with people that you know are good, won't lose their cool and yell obscenities or slurs under pressure, and just you're going to be spending a lot of time with these people. Right. Or if you're like me and you are a completionist and you like to explore everywhere, uh (laughs) it's nice if you play with people who will like let you. I mean, it sounds dumb and I'm trying not to be like a jerk when I'm playing with other people, but sometimes I'm like, I want to look and I always find presents that other people didn't Mm -hmm. find. I like finding all the chests and everything like that. Um, And if you're playing with friends and you're like talking, you can say, hey, I'm going to go look over here. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, with strangers, they might not care if you are playing with strangers and you can't talk to them. They're just going to jump ahead. So I want to talk briefly about what we think makes for a healthy games as a service experience. Because I, I will be the first person to tell you, I have played these types of games for quite some time, and I've been a part of very healthy experiences with these games, and some very unhealthy. I think the first thing I would tell people is, um, one, get a group. We kind of went over that. Play with people that you feel comfortable playing with, which is a good rule for for any game. But above that, I think um, set times and schedule, because I think it helps a lot if you tell somebody, I'll be on... Like for three hours this night, you know that this chunk of time is reserved um, because if you kind of don't go in with a plan or, or like uh, just like a slate of what you want to do, um, there will be a lot of meandering and you really get split up. Um, and I think starting a game with at least one or two other people is very helpful as well. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I just think for most of my next several years I won't ever be able to say like I'm gonna be playing every Tuesday for three hours or something like that um so I would I guess rely on people like you who are more available but that is one of the benefits to playing a game like this with a significant other that you live (laughs) with um well just to give some frame of reference uh I played division with my friends Matt and Charlie mm -hmm. and knowing that you were going to be out of town the next week I sent them my schedule ahead of time and said, I'm free Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, who's available. And just because we know it's easier to play with other people and it's easier to get things done, 
we've got like a little play date set up and it's nice to know that like I've got a group, I've got some friends. It's very similar to like tabletop gaming in that regard. Like we're going to meet together, we're going to do this, we're going to get it done and, and then log off. Yeah, it is similar to tabletop gaming. And and I mean this is the true beauty of MMOs like this is that you can play with other people that you know who aren't nearby. Um and it's both kind of the wonderful thing and the curse, I think, <laughs> because then you can play with people online who are terrible garbage people when they're with other strangers online, but you can also make friends. Like, I think you've actually made friends yeah. from doing this. Like um, good, solid friends. It's yeah. really remarkable. I think another thing I would tell people is be patient. Yes. I I feel like... And you see this a lot in Destiny. You don't see it as much in Anthem and Division, but some of these things that you're, some of these activities you're going over with other people, this might be your 10th time, but it could be your partner's first or second. So it's always good to be patient and set the expectation or get the expectation from somebody else. The Destiny community is wildly great about doing this with raids. So in a lot of these games, there are high level activities that require six or eight people to collaborate and cooperate and play and the destiny community has certain words that they'll use when they're looking for fire teams like uh no mic uh they'll specify if they've run it before their experience level if they just want to go through a quick run uh things like that so i i I think communicating with who you're playing with beforehand will help uh, alleviate a lot of tension in the long run. Yeah, I was going to say sort of similar to that. We have had this experience. Like I, I know when I started playing Anthem with you a lot, um, I would feel like I had to apologize every time I died and needed to be revived. And that's like not something that you should have to feel like you do. And no. And some of it is just getting used to that type of game. It requires that. Like when you think of it as the whole reason you can revive people is that the point is that some of you will die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to happen. Yeah. Th- the game is built around that. If one person dies, the other people in the in the team can go revive them. Right. And that can even be strategic that like sometimes you have to let somebody kind of get taken out so that they are distracting the mm-hmm. bad guys or something like that. Um, and I know I have seen from observing you when you played destiny also that sometimes newer people will feel like they have to apologize because that happens more often to them and seeing other experienced people get frustrated with that Mm -hmm. so i think being aware that you know that's just part of the experience so you know if you're playing with somebody who's at a lower level or who has done less to expect that that might happen and to be cheerful about it. Like, I think the being cheerful about it is what makes a huge difference. And I know that's like extra emotional labor on your part or whatever, but it's a team game. It's like when you play, you know, on a soccer team and somebody messes up, it's not a very good soccer team if somebody has a small mix up and everyone on the team shits on them, right? Like the point is to build your teammates up. One of my favorite things about The Division 2, and I haven't seen other games as a service games do this, but uh, the first night I played, I played with my buddy Charlie. And Charlie gave me equipment. 
He was like, yeah, so you're level three, I'm level 20. Here, just take this gun, take this mask, take this. And like, which is a cool thing that Division allows. A lot of yeah. games don't allow that. But yeah. having somebody like Charlie who is like jubilant about me getting better and excited to kind of show me the ropes, um, that's the kind of person I try to be in Anthem, in Destiny. I hope I can get that way in Division, but you're totally right. Having somebody to, to like coach you and cheer you on, if you know someone getting into a game, be that person for them. Right. And I think kind of along the same lines, if you are doing a task that just isn't working and it's maybe not the right night for it to recognize when it's kind of becoming too bad Talking and you about need raids? to pull back. Talking about well, the Destiny raids? I've seen, I've seen that happen with you with Destiny raids. Um, it even, you know, unfortunately happened more because of technical difficulties, but it's happened on Anthem too where mm. I was like, trying to kind of be positive and upbeat and it's hard especially with something technical where you're you're like i'm not doing anything wrong but you know like my guy just isn't working or like i can't actually do this activity that we're all doing so i get that that's frustrating but being able to kind of say like gonna just call it quits for the night yeah you know i think that's important i'm curious how you feel about this because i was gonna say one of the ways to have a healthy games as a service experience is to engage with the community managers more. But I think it's maybe a little bit of a double-edged sword because on on a game like Destiny, I know all the community managers by name because they're part of the live streams and on Twitter. And whenever they put something out, it's it's like a celebration and you get to interact with them and you get a lot of inside info from the source and it feels like they're listening to you. On Anthem, I kind of feel like it was the opposite. I was ready to have that experience, but they didn't really give a lot of good feedback. Yeah, I mean, I think Anthem, first of all, it's not really fair to compare Anthem and Destiny because Anthem has not been out very long and Destiny has been out for a really long time. Great point. And Anthem had a bad launch, which means the community managers had a really shitty job. You know, like their only job was basically getting damage yelled control. at and yeah. doing damage control. So they couldn't really have that sort of like vivacious back and forth that I think you wanted. Um, I would love to see it get there. Who knows what will happen? So to that point, Destiny 1 had a horrendous launch. The first three months of that game were completely broken. They launched a raid with very little working parts. And over the course of the next year, they really iterated and improved upon it. And I think that's something you need to know about games as a service games. Oftentimes, these are games that companies have to stick with. They want to stick with them, but also because of the money they poured into it, they have to make this game work. Right. So it's going to get better. You just- and Yeah. And the idea is that the game should evolve. Like that's hopefully how it's designed. Like the whole point of it is to always be making changes and to have special events and even something like monster hunter world which wasn't it's not the kind of game that is meant to be like in development as much as destiny is meant to be and as much as anthem has to be but they still do like special events and they have you know new parts of it that they unveil i'm so excited to play more monster hunter now just because we've been talking about it like i realize i miss that game a lot but i miss playing it with you yeah, it was fun. And I mean, Monster Hunter, 
was interesting because everything in it is just wild. So you're it's just like really, it's very this, Japanese. This like crazy weird creature just showed up, <laughs> and I'm in this like mucus membrane forest, and we're just gonna shoot it with my axe gun. Like it, it's a very strange, not strange. It's a very different kind of place. Um, but back to the community manager interaction thing. I I want to stress that like I think this is part of a healthy relationship for you but that's a lot more commitment than a lot of people are able to have that's, and this that's not something that I do like as much as I loved Anthem I was not like interacting with community managers that's why I wanted to get your perspective because for me it's easy to put that emotional weight out there but I think I'm in the minority yeah I don't know if you're in the minority honestly because there are many people there with you um, maybe the minority just compared to like the overall number of people that play. Mm-hmm. What I would say to kind of tweak that like quote unquote rule for having a healthy gas experience is we have many healthy gas experiences. Yes. I have to say it's still about marriage. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, is if and when you do interact with community managers to remember that it's a human being. This is a good rule for the internet. Yes, like that's a person and. First of all, it's their job. It's not somebody who just like wants to hang out on the internet all day for fun and talk about this game. It's their job to be a promoter for the game, basically. So like treat them with respect and understand that they're not going to tell you something if they aren't allowed to tell it to you. So I think it's important to kind of check yourself when you are interacting with people like Mm -hmm. that and to sort of view them as the resource that they are, but not to expect something that it's not fair to expect from them 100 percent. um and just again to be kind to them because there's like literally it doesn't hurt you at all to be kind to another person on the internet so speaking of being kind to other people um what do you think would be like if you had to give a piece of advice to couples playing games as a service games i i know what my piece of advice is but I am so curious what you would tell people. I think it's really important to make sure that you have a good router so that um, <laughs> however you have two you're... consoles connected to the same router. Yeah, or two PCs or whatever. But um, that and and to be a little tech savvy because you are it's so gotten good with a little bit better. But there still are sometimes network issues with um, two people trying to play the same games as a service game at the same time here's where, a question do you remember why we bought that beefy router like what game it was that we're like we need to have a beefy router to play together at the same destiny time? no do you re- it was it was around the same time as destiny it, it wasn't was, destiny it was a little game by blizzard called overwatch we wanted to play overwatch together and i don't think we've played a single game of overwatch together yeah well we had to buy that router and then it was too late. <laughs> it was it was just so funny to me. We're like, we need to play Overwatch together. And then we bought the router and then I think Destiny came out and we're like, uh. Well, I wasn't like super I was curious always about Overwatch. Destiny two came out. Yes. Is what you're talking about. Yeah, Destiny about. Two, Destiny Two. I think it's more like you wanted to play Overwatch, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll try that too. And, and because I, you're you. I drunkenly bought you a copy. You can say drunkenly, but it, you didn't need to be drunk. This I is didn't. a thing that always happens with us. Um, 
more marriage insight is that, and I should not complain about this because it's very endearing and wonderful, but I will casually mention that I'm interested in something <laughs> and within 48 hours, invariably, are you talking about the Kinder Bueno? You'll be like, oh, I, I bought us two copies of this for the library. Oh yeah. Early, very early in our relationship. I don't even know, like maybe on one of our first dates. I, I really hope our listeners know that like, I really love you and this isn't coming from a place of like. No, no, no. Like- it's very sweet. It's just, <laughs> it's funny because now I feel like I have to preemptively say if I like don't think that we should have this thing. Don't buy this. And I don't, I don't also, I don't expect it. So it's not, it's not like that, but it, I'm just always like, ah, it happened again. But yeah, on one of our very first dates, I think we were talking about like, international travel or i don't know well, it, how it, it happened it, it was like the the 20 questions you play on like early May, dating yeah and was somehow, like, what's your favorite candy somehow i was like i really love kinder buenos <laughs> um which you should check out if you have access to them oh, it's great. like chocolate covered hazelnut cream filled wafers it's like a really great kit kat yeah but not at all <laughs> anyway they're really good but so i like mentioned this and i'm thinking like this is a cool treat that i have had mostly when i was traveling um every now and then you can find one and this sweet boy that i just started dating you said boy not shows man. <laughs> up at my house with a box full of kinder buenos he like ordered made a bulk order on, it amazon. Was on amazon it was very very sweet but i was like I don't need this many Kinder Buenos. I think I ate the majority of that candy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's fine, though. We still got married. We we did, and that's the only reason why. That was it. Candy for life. All the way back to the Kinder Buenos. Um, I agree with you. A strong strong router is very important. Thank you for bringing up the technical side. Not just strong, but like uh, they make gaming routers um asus makes a bunch of them it looks like a spider yeah and netgear has a gaming router too and i mean it depends a lot on the layout of your apartment or house or whatever um that could be like a whole separate episode that i'm not even qualified to really do so i'll put the links to some suggestions in the show notes if you can just put the link to like Wait, maybe don't put the link to what we have. I don't want people to know. I'll put I'll I'll find a CNET article about like the best routers. That's a good idea there we go. for gaming specifically because yeah. there are some differences and you got to get them packets through the yeah, internet. Yeah, and they do make ones that um, even cater to specific gaming systems. Like Xbox has a bunch of partnerships, and so yeah, you can figure that out yourself. But that would probably be my number one advice for a couple playing games like this under the same roof just because if you can't even get it to work then what's the point i i totally agree and i in that same regard i think that if you are going to be playing these games together specifically if you're starting these games together make it a point to schedule time to play together so that one person doesn't level up out of the stratosphere away from the other person Part of this game is seeing how your characters evolve and seeing how they grow. And one of the things I really enjoyed with Destiny was seeing my character put on new armor and become this gigantic guardian, right? With Division, I took such pleasure in seeing you start the game and have like all your novice equipment on and just growing like 12 levels, seeing your character grow and being able to be there for that. It's very fulfilling for me. Yeah, and the, and they really the division really does cater to different leveled players playing together. So the way that they 
like every game has a sort of different system that they use to try and division is the best make it style. so that characters of different levels can play together and what the division does is if you're level 20 and i'm level three division says okay i'm actually gonna make both of you level 20 now but just for fighting so yeah. the bad guys will be level 20 but you will be doing level 20 damage and that way you're still you actually get like pretty decent drops it doesn't like totally change anything but it makes it so that the person who is at a higher level isn't just blowing everybody out of the water and also isn't like oh i have to like just fight all these wimpy guys that are not like fun for you're me not anymore. dragging people through a level it, it really equalizes a lot of the action and anthem attempts to do this but they haven't found a great way to equalize levels so for some strongholds, which is similar to a strike in Destiny or to uh, a stronghold in Division, which is like a, a, a long mission with more story bits in it. Um, they haven't found a great way to, to really equalize it. And what that means is if the minimum power level for a mission is like 250, if I walk in being level 300 and Liz walks in being level 250, I'm going to be able to just trounce everything but Liz is going to have a harder time because there's no equalization. In something like Division, if we're both level 300, we both uh, are, are able to have the same experience. Yeah, and one thing I will say that happened with Anthem is they set up sort of a, an unusual challenge for themselves to begin with because there are these four different classes. And the four classes, oh, um, there's yeah, like right. the space wizards, and then there's like the rogues, and there's a sort of uh, tank character the colossus yeah and then just i'm just being descriptive and sure. the, but the, and then there's like an all-around soldier they all have not only different strengths and weaknesses in terms of armor but they all have pretty different abilities so before you even get into the different levels that people might be they they have still been perfecting these four different class types how can we make sure that one of them is not completely overpowered while still making it actually a different playing experience with the mm -hmm. different class types? Like it's a really tough challenge that they set up for themselves. And, you know, I think that's made it a little bit harder. I, I, obviously I feel a lot of bias towards this game and I want them to make it work. And I, I feel a little bit like, they're like a toddler that grew up with parents that speak like three different languages and so they're not speaking very well right now because they got all this stuff at once but we at really a certain want point, them to get maybe a switch will flip and suddenly they will speak three languages fluently that's I, what i'm hoping I, I would like to just take a moment because whenever i talk about anthem it comes from a very emotional place because i love so much of that game but the issues with it it's uh, it, it hurts so much, but I need to make it clear. I really want to play more of that game. I just want the game to like respect my time more. Yeah, that's and what it is, right? You don't you don't want to gear yourself up to play something and then be like, I can't even load into the fight and now I'm already in a bad mood. And that's one thing I will, I, I will say about games as a service games. Destiny has been a thing for about seven years now and it's learned how to respect players' times, uh, players' free time very well. Division has learned a lot of this through their Assassin's Creed games, For Honor, and has taken a lot of those 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 lessons and applied them towards the Division. Um, Anthem isn't quite there, so I think if you 
don't have a ton of free time, maybe don't consider games as a service games to begin with, but maybe put that one off to the side. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, if you're if you're curious about it and you have some time, it's fine. But if you, you know, get frustrated easily by technical difficulties, definitely sit this one out for a little bit. I do really want it to succeed, so I'm not going to say, like, don't it's, play it. It's really cool. And they're updating it all the time. It's just, you know, there's such an unusual number of bugs in the game. Um, the Division was not bad for me to start playing by myself through the story stuff. I, I took a nap. I was like, oh, you're starting, and I was out. Yeah. So it. I think the farther you get into the game, some stuff becomes pretty challenging if you don't have other people. But it does yeah. seem to me to at least somewhat be designed for you to be able to go through it on your own a little bit because of the way their scaling works. It's just that sometimes there are so many bad guys and it's a very cover dependent yeah, yeah. game, um, meaning you have to like seek cover and like shoot from behind things that if you don't have enough people to sort of manage the crowd, it can be challenging. It's interesting because what I sort of hoped for with Anthem, which is just not something they ever wanted to be part of it, is what I saw with you in Destiny, where even if you weren't playing with other people in the big like free play areas, there are like the a hubs. whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and so you could be out you know, fighting randomly on Mars or something. And there will be a lot, there will be other people in the same area who might fight with you. Whereas I think I mentioned earlier in Anthem, they on purpose want a maximum of four people. I think it has to do with the way they do their scaling. It's sad that you bring this up because like you're 1000% correct. One of the things I love about Destiny is wandering around a planet in seeing people and being like, oh, what are they doing? I'm going to join them. Mm -hmm. Anthem has this interesting gambit where because you're flying, because you are in these Iron Man suits, a lot of their levels are more vertical. You're able to explore top and bottom a lot more than any of the other games. But it's harder to find people and it's harder to have those uh, like just experiences. Yeah, and you know, again, because there's only three other people aside from you, no matter what in the area, it's harder. But um, I think part of why they did it that way was because of the way their scaling works and also because it's so vertical, because you can fly around, it would pretty quickly become like just too much, I guess. Um, so that's a bummer. I would love if they make like a sequel game for them to find a way to make those things bigger I think that's like the to at least have it, it be point. like 10 people can be in the same spot because then it's like it is one of the sort of neat things about this type of game is the uh, the possibility of sort of encountering other random people like like what's cool if you play a lot of rpgs is to think i could be encountering a real person here instead of just and then like a non-player character yeah, yeah. and then we could like have a little mini adventure and we don't have to talk to each other or anything like that we could just both be doing the same thing um and you know some games have that some games don't i never played world of warcraft which is sort of one of the big huge names in this area that's kind of the the one that kicked it all like off. the granddaddy well there was like everquest right and then so world everquest of I remember vividly EverQuest and WoW, World of Warcraft, 
um, were already big by the time we were in college. And I remember specifically thinking, I don't ever want to play those. It sounds like I would just never stop. And so I shouldn't. And I think that really happened to some people. Yeah. No, I had a good friend in college where we had to take her computer away from her because that's all she wanted to do. But that carrot was not like policed by anyone. It was the Wild West. They were, that's like horse armor in Skyrim. Like the thing now is I, I, I think the incentive to keep playing is just enough where you don't lose yourself. At least I don't. Yeah. And I mean, something that, from my understanding and not having played like WoW and EverQuest, that's a little different. Is I think those games are intended to be a little bit more social as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and for that sure. I don't know if there's like a uh, sort of noble reason that companies have done that a little bit less. I think it just takes a lot of effort. Um, and on a console, would be, it's harder it's because you're difficult. not you're not really typing messages to other people. Can I can I propose something crazy? In the next twelve months, I would like us to try Final Fantasy fourteen. I've played by myself, but I've never played with somebody else, and you've never played to begin with. I'm curious to see if they are going to announce like the next generation at E three of a game like that. <gasps> oh my god, we have an E three episode coming up. Oh wow, we shiny, do. shiny, shiny. We have an E three episode coming up. We only, we only. I mean, this E three, this E three is tragic. Be weird. It doesn't have Sony. That's like bonus episode. I don't know if it's full episode. We'll see. We'll see. It depends what happens. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. Oh my god, it's a month away. <gasps> it's here. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Is there anything else that you think we need to touch on? I I don't know about specifically touching on games as a service stuff anymore i i i've always been very intrigued to have just the games as a service conversation with you and with anthem and division coming out within a month of each other it would have been kind of unruly to cover them both with their own episodes and get into them but i feel good about the discussion that we've had yeah i mean so as far as like takeaways from this i think maybe you understand a little bit more about this type of game if you didn't know before um, neither, none of them that I have ever played, I've never played a games as a service game that has been as fulfilling to me as a good, uh, role-playing game or action role-playing it's game. It's no God of War. It's never going to be Horizon. Yeah, exactly. Like now, if you gave me a world where- Of Warcraft? I could play- like as Aloy in a social setting, that sounds fucking you amazing. You can do that in Monster Hunter World, remember? No, but that's like a little clunky. That's like the one thing about you can get her costume. No, it's not. It's not Aloy. It doesn't. You don't get to play with her same weapons sure, or anything. Sure. Don't you, try to do this. You, to you, me. you get a costume. You stop. You get a costume. So, so uh, one thing that I think is worth mentioning is we've been talking about games that are. Their primary purpose is to be a game as a service. But what a lot of like the action RPG type games have done, especially in the recent past, is they'll have like a bonus bonus content kind of that is basically like an arena or something where you can have like a mini games as a service experience. Yeah. Right? Um, what a was a big of, one? A lot of single player games will tack on yeah. uh, a 
games as a service element to it like but in the form of like a season pass so ubisoft does this a ton like far cry has a season pass assassin's creed has a season pass where they're continually giving you more missions yeah and they're even baking in uh timed objectives into their single player experience so that's a good point that's not actually what i was talking about but i do want to circle back to that i was talking about um, the ones that will put in like a player versus player, oh, s- separate like arena type thing. Also, that that makes it a little bit more similar to a games as a service experience. Um, that has been happening more, but I agree, and I'm really glad you brought that up about Assassin's Creed. Especially. It's all Ubisoft, man. Yeah, because. Um, did you know that they pronounce it Ubisoft? Okay, we've had this discussion many times, but can we just agree we like Ubisoft? We, we like the company? Oh, I do like the company. Yeah. Assassin's Creed, they started doing that a lot where they would have special enemies and they tried to really add a lot of social elements where you could like see pictures, oh, pictures. of what other people did. I freaking hate that. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and right, like you said, timed objectives. They tried to take that carrot stick method and put it into this RPG so it becomes... Because like this is what this is the the dream for a company's games as a service game, right? That you the player don't stop playing. They I feel like the reason these came about is that somebody said, Wow, like Liz loves Horizon Zero Dawn. It's her favorite game ever. She played it through once. She didn't then immediately start it over and play it again. Okay, but she hasn't been playing it forever. But if if you make a games as a service game that I love that much, I've been playing it for hours. That was my destiny. From the beginning. Exactly. But if they did that for Horizon, holy shit, you'd be into that. Exactly. And so that's, I think, what they were trying to get at with this type of game. And Assassin's Creed Odyssey comes, man. So, and they uh, started it with Origins. Origins has this too. But I think that's, they were thinking we can, because of the nature of an Assassin's Creed game, where you are sort of playing a person in history, but there's you're in a huge open world, so there is a possibility for basically unlimited content that they could create then basically unlimited content and keep generating things for you to do. And because all Assassin's Creed's game, this is like a very tiny spoiler. So if you <laughs> are going to start playing Assassin's Creed at some point, shut your ears for a little bit. But you're always playing somebody who you're always like going back into the past so the story can never really end because it's actually already ended yeah which is like a super (laughs) meta fancy philosophical way of saying it. it's a frame narrative um it is but you can spend you know unlimited time living in that historical place and that's where they start putting all this extra content i i i'm gonna say two things one you're absolutely right these Thank are you. games that companies want to be the only game you play. And for me, with Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, it was the only game I played for years. A really long time. Years. And I still play Destiny quite a bit. I'll log in, go to Zer, hang out, whatever. But Zer is like a person that He's a merchant sells that only comes weapons. on Fridays or Saturdays, and he gives you special weapons. And he's really cool. He's got tentacles for a face. Anyway, but... Uh, what what I wanted to say is I'm going to make a statement right now and we're going to see how it pays off at E3 and then pays off in the fall. In the fall? Why? Because of what I'm about to say. 
Wow, I'm intrigued. Watch Dogs 3 will be announced at E3 this year. It will have a very strong games-as-a-service season pass component with timed objectives and different things to do in the world, and I'm going to love it. Because guess what? Watch Dogs 2 is the best game everyone else slept on. All my friends didn't listen to me. It reviewed incredibly well. It was one of the most fulfilling games I've played in a long time. And you jerks, you're going to learn. I feel like you've been holding this in. I really have. I love that game. Wow. It's a great game. You should this play it. This is about cooperative games, Aaron. All right. Well, okay. Um, I, I, I think we're getting to the end of the discussion. Um, anything about games as a service that, that we didn't cover that you want to cover? Well, in terms of like cooperative purity, if sure. we want to talk about it from that sense, they're interesting because because they are also trying to get you to get your friends to have this be the only game they play. I was good at that. <laughs> right. So they're, they are sort of all trying to facilitate cooperative gameplay. Some of them have tasks that you have to have more people to do. Destiny is really the good at this. The raids are really good where at that. They, you, like, physically, you have to have somebody who can like push this button while somebody else carries this thing and a third person distracts this it's guy. It's the perfect game. Aaron. <laughs> the anyway, whiskey is getting low. So, uh, in that sense, Destiny especially, but games as a service of this type generally, I think are pretty cooperative but for some of them you can beat like the actual story by yourself and mm -hmm. they're even designed so that you can do it by yourself which i appreciate because yeah. i because what we were talking about um it can be difficult to find time with other people to play them it's good to be like okay well you can reach a satisfactory conclusion of the story part solo and then you know, if you want to level up or do side missions or whatever, you have to have other people. So yeah. it's not like 100% on the cooperative purity scale, but it's close. Like it does check all the boxes for needing cooperation to actually accomplish everything that you have. And importantly, in all of the games, I believe that we've been talking about, um, there is no such thing as friendly fire. Which means uh, yeah, you can't point. shoot other people that you're playing with. So, you know, sometimes we talk about games where... Anthem had it as a bug and then they fixed it. Okay, that was well then really, that doesn't count. I'm just saying, that was a very frustrating weekend. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, it was terrible. Yeah, and so, you know, sometimes we talk about games, like board games and whatnot, where you have to cooperate to accomplish something, but one person can basically, like, fuck the whole thing up by deciding they don't want to cooperate. That can't happen as much in these games. First of all, because you can't, you know, shoot other people. And I guess if you didn't want to help, you could kind of. But the games are actually set up to boot people off who just sit there and are don't inactive. do anything after yep, yep. a while. And, you know, your teammate can leave and find another stranger on the internet to play with. It's a lot of people usually. I, I love the rules of cooperative purity. Someday and, I should write them down. And, no, no. And I, I really want to give you credit where credit's due because it feels like you came up with them at the drop of a hat. On, on the fly. On the, like, you really have. But there's a game idea that I've had in my head for a very long time. And just this past week, I looked at the document for it and I said, does this game obey the rules of cooperative purity? And it didn't. So I was like, oh, if I add this in here, it automatically will and i think that those things are so incredibly smart 
So I think Thank you. One, I think you're great. Um but I think you're great. <laughs> but two, I feel like games are getting better about it. Destiny one had the rules, but they were very clunky. Destiny two, it's the perfect game, everyone should buy it. But Anthem and Division have taken this idea of cooperative playing right. and has really uh for some activities, it's required, but it's always incentivized. Yeah, and actually, really quick, something that we noticed several times, which I think is important to touch on, is we mentioned that Anthem has the four different classes that you can play. And repeatedly, we found that when we played in a group where we had one of each class represented, the battles always were better. Yeah. Like the I will give them credit like they really set it up to incentivize that diversity because what you don't want is somebody to realize like oh it kind of breaks the game if everybody plays a tank character which it kind of does it but can but not but nobody wants to play a tank all the time I hate playing tanks yeah I'm never gonna be that person and sometimes that's really hard you know it still doesn't work depending on you know the type of thing that you're playing at any rate we don't need to digress too much but i think that was an interesting as far as like those rules of cooperative purity like they really looked at we you know you can't make people cooperate so much in this type of game that often but it does kind of tell you like it's going to be more fun if you divide up the type of character that you're we should really put that down somewhere i know i should write it down i'm not going to take any credit for it it's entirely your thing you were so smart to think of those well they're great what's funny is that it came up initially because i was like oh how like what defines a truly cooperative experience but it's almost like games that fit that mold actually have a lot more internal consistency too so like I might say, oh, this, uh, this, you know, is a more cooperative game, but it actually helps the games play better generally as well. I think if they, if they really fit the mold, Agreed. unless they're not supposed to, right? But like, for a cooperative game, th- that it can be a mistake to be like, oh, we've accidentally set it up so that one person can just screw it up by not cooperating. So if that's like something you take into account. I always come back to Overcooked. Like it's such a potent cooperative game because it's constantly demanding you to work with other people. Right. Constantly. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. We, we got to put it on the internet somewhere. I'll I'll write it down one of these days. If you write it down, I'll make a really interesting JPEG I got to like go listen to every time I've ever talked about it. <laughs> and I've probably already contradicted myself. Real quick. Would you play Final Fantasy XIV with me? The reason I brought up E3 or maybe you did. Somebody brought up E3. I always bring up E3. Oh, I I want to see if they make another one. I I The latest expansion comes out like the week before E3. I'm thinking like what if it's too late for Final Fantasy 14 and what if they're going to make another one? But it's called Final Fantasy. Why would they make another one? It's the final one. We can't do this. We can't do it right now. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Why don't we stop the recording? I'll do the outro. We can brush our teeth, get in the bed, and watch some Game of Thrones. I have to work some. I have to work some too. But like, we can put it on the background. We can. I gotta know what happens to that Jonathan Snow. What happens to that Ned Stark? That Sean Bean. Hope he doesn't get his head chopped off. What are you doing? Whatever. Do not put a spoiler into this podcast. Okay, I'll bleep it. (laughs) I'll bleep out that entire sentence. 
But really, How what's what's going to happen to that Jonathan Snow? I don't know. I've and reached the end. Neither did you. All right, everyone. This podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment and ours. Come back often and feel free to add the cooperative podcast to your favorite podcatcher. Reviews are very welcome and help the show succeed. You can also follow us on Twitter at CooperativesPod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CooperativesPod. If there's a particular game you think we should cover, uh, please don't hesitate to send us an email at CooperativesPod at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. And I'll tell you right now, if you want to party up in Division, Anthem, Destiny, let me know. My Twitter name is at I'm Aaron J and you are... At Paperback Lizard. We'll play with you. It'll be a good time. Yeah. It'll be a good, good time. Um, all links to what we talked about are going to be in the show notes. Thanks to you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, we love you. Oh, I love you, too. Oh, I said we love you. Yeah. Oh, it's like I the love collective. You too. I love Oh, Liz also loves you. Yeah. Okay, I made it weird, didn't I? Bye. Bye. Bye.